we're going to go ahead and bring in our first guest, and that is Michelle, CEO and founder of Drop and Hook. So welcome in, Michelle. First question, any of those tools, what are your favorite tools to run your business? Well, you know, it's so funny that you started with ClickUp because when you sent me this question in advance, you said you were going to be talking about this. I, um, you know, my mind immediately went to like, oh, well, we use Sprout Social and HubSpot. And then I was like, you know, what's really been great over the last year that we've added in is ClickUp. Um, you know, I've been uh, growing my team. So we went from two people to five people and just keeping track of all of that communication between folks and collaborating and having multiple different projects going at once. Um, you know, that, that tool has been amazing. And I think we've barely even scratched the surface of everything that you can do in there. So like they've got the whiteboards and all that different stuff. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. It's one of those tools that like I keep finding new ways to use it. And I, I know that I'm not taking the, the full advantage of, of all the powerful solutions. But you just mentioned you and your team and how you're growing. So, so give us a little bit of background on how you got involved with marketing and how you eventually launched your company, Drop and Hook. Sure, absolutely. Um, so, you know, I got my start in marketing. I'm like going to age myself a little bit um, pre social media really being as much of a thing as it is today. Um, I was actually working in a kind of generalist um, marketing role, doing a lot of like copywriting, email marketing, print pieces. Um, and my boss at the time was like, I keep hearing about Twitter. Do you think we ought to be doing that? <laughs> um, so it was right when Twitter really first became a space that brands were getting into. And, uh, and I happened to just be in the right place at the right time to uh, be assigned to be the person to look into that. And uh, we did, in fact, get into it. And fast forward to many years later, I spent a lot of time working in um, ad agencies. And to be honest, I never really thought about transportation or logistics. Uh, you know, I was the sort of person to sit in an office in New York City and not look at the stuff around me and think about how it got there. Um, and I uh, ended up moving to a different agency where our largest client was a trucking company and started learning about that world and working on some truck driver recruiting and, and getting my feet wet in that space. And um, I just fell in love with it. And what I always say about that moment is it feels like suddenly you have a backstage pass to a part of the world that you didn't even realize existed. And you start seeing all of these connections with logistics of how everything comes together and all of the different many careers and lives that are impacted mm -hmm. by it. And uh, so I became, a, I guess, a bit of a um, logistics nerd. And uh, from there, when I decided to go out on my own in 2018, I, uh, you know, I just had gathered um, some some data about that world uh, and saw that it was a place where there was uh, a need and a lot of companies, like as you described, where there was a one person marketing team who maybe needed some assistance. And so that was where I really decided to focus my energies um, and flew under the radar for a little while and then uh, officially launched the Drop and Hook brand in, in 2021. And we've been growing since then. And Drop and Hook is uh, social media and content marketing specifically for the transportation and logistics industry. So that's really all that we do. Everything is uh, a component of that. 
Yeah, it's pretty fascinating how you, you, when you talk about the logistics industry, it really is one of those industries that it's almost like the CIA where you only notice it when things go wrong, right? It's one of those like, <laughs> yeah. oh, everything's running smoothly. And oh, just kidding. No, it's not. Um, we're going to everybody yeah. mainstream, you know, starts to complain about it. But speaking of different freight companies and and the ones that not only you work with, or maybe you see out in the world, what freight company or what marketing strategies are freight companies getting right? And then what are they getting wrong? Yeah, I mean, so I think that there are a lot of companies right now that are waking up to the idea of, um, I guess I'm going to say personal branding as a, uh, as a sales channel or as a marketing channel. So in the B2B world, you know, as long as I think such a thing existed, business was built on relationships. Um, but I think for a very long time that lived kind of over here in the sales realm and the marketer sat over here and, you know, the two didn't talk to each other at all. Um, <laughs> at least, you know, frequently, I think that was the case, at least in a company with enough different people sitting within it, um, to have those as two separate teams and more recently, I feel like, uh, you know, maybe it was a reaction to the pandemic. Um, more people have been adopting things like LinkedIn and realizing that there's an opportunity to go out and connect with your customers digitally, um, you know, not just by having a website, but actually having your individual employees become um, the faces of your company. And, you know, what I say to companies who are afraid of that idea is they already are. Um, these are the people that, you know, are doing business with your customers and the experiences that your customers are having are, are being guided by these people. So the best thing you can really do is think about how do we want to be strategic about that and, um, you know, make sure that our, you know, core values are really strong and our people understand what it is that we stand for and what our products are and have the tools that they need to be successful. And so when the, I, I'm thinking of, as you were talking, I was thinking of this incident that I saw happen on LinkedIn from, you know, several folks within our, our space and how one employee, you know, of a big company kind of made a little, a little like bit of a gap. About, yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's one of those situations where it's like, oh, that is a real life example of, you know, a brand allowing their employees to be vocal on LinkedIn. And then one person just makes you know, maybe the wrong kind of insinuation. He probably didn't mean it to for it to land that way, but you're still responsible for how it lands. Are there any kind of like guidance that maybe companies should have when they're telling their employees, yes, we want you to post on social media, um, but we want you to do it in a responsible way. Are there any kind of like guidelines that you're seeing that maybe would be useful for other companies to kind of, you know, maybe protect themselves in the future? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so... Um... I actually think Sprout Social has a free resource that I really like that's like a social media policy template. Um, that's a really good starting point for anybody that's looking for something like that. And you don't have to be a Sprout Social customer to get it. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll join you in saying they're not paying me to say this. I just happen to like it. Um, so if you don't have one, probably good to think about having that. Um, right. But I really think it it is just... Uh, something where marketing teams um, need to be proactive about giving people the, uh, the knowledge to be successful and um, the guidance on what to do and look for those people who are interested. You know, like I always talk about them as the hand raisers, the people that are already out there and saying like, yes, 
I like to post to social media. I'm excited about this. I have that passion. And um, helping to coach them not on what specifically they need to say, but, you know, here are some guidelines of how we want to talk about ourselves. Um, Maybe here are some topics that we as a company are particularly excited about right now. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, here's where you can kind of find our resources from the marketing department are there some kind of toolkits that you can build and, and share out internally and give people what they need or teach them how to use Canva if that's what they're uh, they're excited about and they want to be able to turn around a graphic and still have it follow your brand standards? Yeah, 100%. I, I completely agree. I'm, I'm going to have to Google that, that Sprout social template because I think that that's something that every company should be, you know, a little... Companies were probably already a little weary of letting their, you know, employees freely post on social media. So that's, I think that's a really great idea for the marketing team to not, to, to help and kind of push the steer them in, in one, you yeah. know, sort of company brand <laughs> and, <yeah>. away. <laughs> Yeah. And some companies try to, their reaction is just like, lock it down. Nobody can post about us. But I think that's a, that's a wasted opportunity if you, you know, don't take those people that are excited and, and give them something positive to do. 100%. And, and so you, you had kind of, you know, mentioned this a little bit earlier about the relationship between marketing and sales. And, you know, historically, it's a little bit combative, you know, they're kind of against each other. But in recent years, we've kind of seen the more molding together and working together. Do you? I, I've seen that happen in other industries. I'm curious if you've seen that happening in the freight industry, and maybe some ways that you know marketing and sales can have an improved working relationship. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so I think one thing that has been really positive about technology becoming more accessible, like marketing automation technology and things like that, is that. Um, for sales professionals, it is an opportunity to see something that really helps them in their day-to-day life, right? If, um, if you can create automation technology that is nurturing your leads and, you know, kind of have the data that comes from those platforms usually that can show, oh, your lead did this, did this, did this wow, maybe you've gained an insight now from knowing like, I never realized that people went to these three pages on our website. And uh, maybe that's really interesting because that's telling us a story about what this person is interested in or or, um, is looking for that, you know, maybe there's content that we haven't even thought of putting out there yet, but it's something that can go to them. So I feel like if sales and marketing can kind of collaborate on that data sharing level and, uh, you know, everyone benefits from kind of automating those tasks that are that are the routine kind of okay you know we have to send out the scheduling link in order to make the call and free up more time for for doing the fun parts and the creative parts and the relationship building parts um i think that is an easy win that really helps those teams work together uh, at a much better level and i've seen that happen um sort of in real time over the last couple of years uh, within several companies um, as people are kind of getting more used to more digital ways of working. And I think everyone in logistics and supply chain is so busy uh, as, you know, it has become very apparent even to the mainstream media that this is incredibly important. Um, So I think uh, everyone's looking for what is that opportunity that I can get a little bit of that grunt work off my plate. 
100%. I think if you, if you as a marketer are going to sales and you're saying, I want to help you, you know, automate some of these mundane tasks. And then in exchange, you can also see some of the data of what's working, direct data of like what's working for them. And if that messaging is resonating with the leads that they're going after. So it's a complete like win-win situation. We don't have to fight sales. We can work with them in order to hopefully as a marketer, understand what's driving ROI. Now, when it comes yeah. to social media, uh, with people in particular, they they want to they want to get started right on social media, but they just don't really know where to start. When you're onboarding maybe a new client or you're talking to them through it, what are some ways that you help coach them in getting started with social media? Is it really just as simple as like just start posting, or is there more? Obviously, there's probably more nuance to it. Yeah, I mean, you know, what I always say in my like personal approach is always like, listen more than you talk. If you're really starting from a baseline of like, we're not doing anything today and we want to get started, um, there is so much to be gained from just going and being in the places where your desired audience is and listening to the things that we're, they're saying. So, you know, if you're trying to develop a product, like, you know, there's so many freight tech companies out there, right? You could just go and uh, if you're a TIA member, like be a part of the um, boards that they have, like the communication boards and um, and start reading the problems that people are facing. And I feel like there's so much insight in there, even if you never posted anything of your own or tried to use that as kind of a marketing or sales channel. Um, you could use that to start inspiring your content, thinking about topics to post about um, or Reddit. For instance, I like love Reddit as a place where people just kind of are uh, still have, I guess, more of an anonymous approach to the internet and therefore are willing to put things out there. And maybe it's just a funny meme and maybe it's like a rant about a company, things like that. Um, but really, that's the first thing I always look for is like, what is that insight about who your people are and what they care about, what they're passionate about, and what is the language they're using to talk? Um mm -hmm. And then, you know, then comes the just start posting part, right? I don't think you have to be precious about waiting to post, but um, I think knowing your audience is the, the number one most important thing um, that I would suggest to anybody who is starting fresh and not really sure where to go. Yeah, that, that's a really good idea with going to some of these, you know, groups and some of the, you know, like the TIA or the, the TMSA, which we're both, a, you know, members of that organization and board members as well. And so you hear direct, like, I don't want to say like from the horse's mouth, but that's, you know, the phrase that I'm going to use here. Um, but yeah, you really hear their words and how they use them in their own words, because sometimes it really is so easy to get caught up in our own jargon and, you know, thinking that everybody knows our own, you know, acronyms and things like that. But if you're involved Yes. in those types of groups, you can hear those phrases, you know, being used. Um, what about the complaint, uh, you know, or yeah, probably a little bit of a complaint from folks who are like, well, how do I just not sound like everybody else? We're all, you know, what they mm -hmm. say is we're all freight brokers, you know, we're all saying the same things. How do I not sound like everybody else when I'm on social media? Do you have any tips for that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think um, it is very easy to sound like everybody else. And I think, uh, there is, I was having a, a back and forth on LinkedIn at one point recently about, um, people that were, uh, having like other people ghost write or ghost post on their behalf. And that is like, oh, you can do that. Like somebody else can write on my behalf. And it is, um, you know, the, the reality is like, yes, there are people that are doing that, but 
you are the only true you, right? And everybody, I think, has something in their life that they are a little bit of an expert about that makes them unique. And that, for me personally, is when I get really excited about seeing a video that somebody made or something that they wrote is is that level of expertise where they can speak from their personal experience. And, you know, maybe it even is if you're somebody who's just starting out in your career, that your personal experience is the experience of just getting started and something that you encountered in your day to day. Um, but is that real kind of like human moment of something that happened and something that you learned from it? And I'm not suggesting that you follow the sort of templatized, uh, you know, cringe LinkedIn post template of, <laughs> oh, I was doing an interview the other day and a candidate said XYZ. Um, <laughs> but I do think that, you know, you can you can look at what other people have done as content and um, bring your own unique expertise to it. And, you know, maybe you're doing something similar, but you always can have your own lens on it um, and bring that authenticity. And uh, you're the only one who can write as you, but you have to be maybe brave to say something that not everyone else is saying. Very true. Now we have time for a couple more questions, and and I, I definitely wanted to get this one in about the famous like ROI question. What is the mm-hmm. ROI or of content marketing of social media marketing? I'm sure you get this a lot with running your agency. Uh, how do you answer the ROI question? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so I'm a little bit of an ROI nerd. I like love data. Um, maybe as evidenced by. I, my earlier comment that I like looking at like what websites people were looking at. But um, I, so I really uh, personally love HubSpot. I know it's not in everyone's price range, but I love building custom dashboards and being able to really see um, all sorts of data in a visual manner, like at a glance. And it takes a little bit to build them out at first, but once you get those set up and then you can kind of get your automated monthly report and a lot of tools do similar things. So it's certainly not like they're the only one out there. Um, it is, it is actually amazing to see the ROI on things like that. The biggest thing that I think trips people up is, okay, if we're doing activities like social media, like content marketing, um, I can't put a dollar sign against that because I don't really know like what component of this went into a sale that eventually happened, right? Like there's always kind of that breakdown of, okay, well, we we did this campaign, we spent X on it, we got Y number of leads and, you know, they came and they opened these emails and they did these things, time passes, some proportion of those eventually turns into sales. If you really have your process locked down and everything buttoned up, you certainly can calculate the ROI everywhere along that process. But for many people in industries, you know, maybe your sales cycle is six months or nine months long, and there's a lot of different touch points in that. And so it's really difficult to point to, you know, what did this individual social media post really do in that? Um, And uh, I think sometimes people get like tripped up by that as a thing, like, oh, I need to know what this one social media post did. Right. (laughs) Completely Um, unrealistic. So I like to try to think of like, yeah, like, you know, nobody ever is sitting there asking, like, what what was the ROI of um, this specific kind of billboard or, like, event we were attending, um, you know? And I think people are doing more of that now. I think people are examining their budgets and, and trying to narrow down on that. But, uh, you know, can you point to a bigger picture of we are growing over time and all of these factors are part of that bigger picture? Yeah. Um, and 
you know, measure the small things where you can. Are we getting video views? Are we getting engagement? And are those things going up over time? But try not to get too obsessed with that data. Look at it as learning opportunities, but not something you have to make a decision off of every single data point, as long as everything's pointing in the right direction. Yeah, it's kind of like an ecosystem, like a marketing ecosystem where you can't really pinpoint, you know, is it this tree that's contributing to, you know, the overall well-being of the forest? It's much more complicated yeah. and nuanced than that. All right, Michelle, where can yeah. folks follow you, follow more of your work, get in touch with Drop and Hook, all that good stuff? Yeah, absolutely. So we're dropandhookcontent.com. Um, and I'm uh, at LeBlankly on, you know, pretty much any social media channel where that would be a way to find me or, um, you know, just under my name on LinkedIn. Uh, always happy to chat with anybody. Um, Michelle at dropandhook.com if you're an email person as well. Um, and uh, Drop and Hook content is our, our brand social channel. So um, we have an email newsletter. We're going to be at uh, the TMSA Executive Summit in October and um, Freight Waves F3 coming up in November. So lots of opportunities yeah. to connect. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your perspective, Michelle. Awesome interview. And and we look forward to seeing you at F3. Yeah, I'm really excited. All right. Thank you, Michelle. I hope you enjoyed that episode of Everything is Logistics, a podcast by Digital Dispatch, where we help your company build a better website. And speaking of my company, I founded it back in 2018, but we recently streamlined our website services plans. So if you want to check out how we can help you and your marketing team build a better website and connect those ROI goals, then go visit digitaldispatch.io. You can also check out past episodes of this show and every show by hitting up the resources page on digitaldispatch.io or on everythingislogistics.com. I do some freelance content projects for select clients. And if you liked this show, then you might like some of the other content projects that I've worked on, like Cyberly, Maritime Means, and more. But until next time, I'm Blake Brumleave, and I will see you real soon. Go Jags!